Well, I'm going to take a deep breath right now because I am so excited, but if I'm honest, also a little bit nervous this morning to kick off our new series called Let's Talk About It. You know, in this series, we are going to be talking about issues that are dominating the conversations in culture and in our world, but that we don't really talk that much about in church. You know, we did send out uh, an email with a content warning for parents just to let you know what topics we're going to be covering so that you can decide um, whether or not it's appropriate for your kids to be in here or not. And so also you can start having conversations at home about these topics before Sunday mornings. And as pastors, you know, we just want to be able to equip you with what the Bible says about these issues. And we want to help you know how to respond to culture, hopefully the way Jesus would respond. So today we're going to be talking about abortion and we're going to be talking about the sanctity of life. And and when it comes to the difficult issues of our day, like abortion, we must look to Jesus as our example. We've got to look to Jesus. So right now, I just want us to pray and open our hearts and open our ears to what the Lord would say. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for this opportunity to look into your word today and and to find wisdom and, and find knowledge on how to respond to the issues that are going on all around us. And, and I just pray that you would speak through me today, God. God, that it would not be my words, Jesus, but it would be yours. And I pray that you would open our ears to hear and that you would open our hearts to receive what you would have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, um, you can go ahead and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. Um, It's also going to be up on the screen, so you can read along with us there as well. So it's John chapter 1, verse 14. Let's read it together this morning. It says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. You know, all throughout scripture, we see that Jesus lived his life full of grace but also full of truth. It was not one or the other, it was both. It was both. And and we see that he accepted people, but he did not affirm the sin in their lives. He accepted them, but he did not affirm the sin that was in their life. He showed people their worth and their value while also offering them an opportunity to change and to be transformed. And this is a model for how the church should respond to culture on hard topics like abortion, grace and truth. You know, at some point in our lives, all of us decide on a source of authority, which is going to tell us what to believe and how to behave. And there are a lot of sources that people use. One of those sources would be logic, okay? So, so logic says, you know, well, this just makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. So this is how I'm going to believe and this is how I'm going to behave. Another source of authority that people use is intuition. 
Intuition kind of says, well, you know what? This just feels right to me. It just, it just feels right. And so that's what I'm going to believe. And that's how I'm going to behave. Another source that people use is consensus. And consensus says, well, that's what everyone else is doing. And that's what everyone else believes. So it just must be so. And so that's going to be the source that I'm going to use to tell me what I believe and how I'm going to behave. And, and honestly, I'm not saying this morning that any of these three ways are completely wrong to use when it comes to making decisions. You know, I think God gives us common sense. He gives us logic to look at things practically and make a good decision. Um, I also know that God gave us intuition to, to help us stay out of dangerous situations. And even consensus can be good if you're surrounding yourself with the right crowd of people and the right type of mentors, right? But here's the thing. As Christians, the standard for all of our beliefs and all of our behaviors must be first and foremost, the word of God. As Christians, the standard for all of our beliefs must be first and foremost, the word of God. Scripture must be the source of authority that tells us what to believe and how to behave. It's all found in his word. So this morning, I want us to ask the question, what does scripture say about abortion? What does scripture say about the sanctity of life? Well, number one this morning, I believe scripture tells us that we must contend for all life. We must contend for all life. You see, for years, culture has tried to deny that life begins at, at conception. And they have sought to dehumanize the baby in the womb. They, they've called it a blob of tissue or a group of cells or, or a fetus and, and all these things to dehumanize the fact that it is a baby. But as believers, we don't base our beliefs on what culture says. We have to ask ourselves, what does scripture say? So let's look um, in Genesis, all the way back to the beginning. Let's look at Genesis chapter one, and we're gonna read verse 27 together. And it says this, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. What I see here is that God's image is imprinted upon every human being from the moment of conception, from the moment of creation. God placed his image on each one of us. In Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 16, it says this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born and every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. What I see here is that God intimately knows and values each life, even before birth. Even in the womb, God knew you and he loved you and he valued you. 
In Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. What I see here is that God's plans for a person's life begin before birth. Even before you were born, God has a purpose and he had a plan for each and every life. Let's also look a little bit in the New Testament this morning. If we, if we go to Luke and we go to chapter one, and, and I'm not going to totally read the exact verse. I'm going to kind of tell the story a little bit here, but it's Luke chapter one and verse 44. And, and this is when um, a pregnant Mary, she's pregnant with Jesus, and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant, right, with John the Baptist. You probably know the story. And the scripture says, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's baby leapt within her. And and what I want you to notice here is that the Greek word used to refer to the prenatal unborn John the Baptist in the womb is a Greek word, berephos. Berephos. That's the word that was used here. And then if you go down a little ways in scripture, in Luke chapter 2, and it's talking about Mary when she goes to lay baby Jesus in the manger. And this is talking about the infant Christ who is outside of the womb. And and you see the author uses that same word here, berephos, as he did earlier. He, He uses the same term to refer to a baby in the womb as a baby outside of the womb. There is no distinction. You see, scripture reiterates the same intrinsic value of life, whether it's inside the womb or outside of the womb. It tells us it is valuable, it is worthy, and we must contend for it. You see, the being in the womb is not a potential human. It is a human with great potential. It is not a potential human. It is a human with great potential. And this human is utterly defenseless. It can do nothing on its own. And scripture charges us to defend those who are defenseless. If you look in Psalm chapter 82, and I'm going to read this in the message translation because I just love the way it's worded. It's it's verses two through four. It says this, enough. You've corrupted justice long enough. You've let the wicked get away with murder. You are here to defend the defenseless, to make sure that the underdogs get a fair break. Your job is to stand up for the powerless and to prosecute all those who exploit them. Scripture charges us and challenges us to defend the defenseless, that we must contend for all life. But not only does scripture tell us to contend for all life, number two this morning, it also tells us that there is forgiveness and healing for all life. You see, abortion doesn't just rob the life from the unborn. Abortion robs the life of the parents as well. The enemy isn't just after the life of the unborn. He's out to destroy every life. 
First Peter five and eight says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Statistics show us that one in four women in America will have had an abortion by the age of 45. That's a staggering number if you think about it. One in four women. Statistics also tell us that four in ten women who have had an abortion are frequent churchgoers. And that half of those churchgoers have never told anyone in the church about their abortion. Can you just let those statistics kind of sink in? What, what that tells me this morning is that there are probably many women and men in this room today who have had experience with abortion. And you see, abortion, it, it promises something that it cannot deliver. It promises relief and an answer to a problem, but in all actuality, it just brings about more problems. A study that was done in 2010 showed that women who have underwent an abortion have a 98% increased risk for mental health disorders compared to women who have not. And men who have been involved in abortion also deal with emotional repercussions of that choice. There are people all around us at our jobs, in our communities, and even right here in our church who are walking around with the weight of what they have done. They are trapped in guilt and overwhelmed by the shame of their choice. And the enemy has told them and lied to them and said the church will never accept them and and that God will never love them. and, And after what they have done, their choice is unforgivable. But can I tell you this morning, that is a lie. That is a lie. That is not what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that Jesus is greater. His love, his mercy, his forgiveness is greater than any sin you and I could have ever committed. And that includes abortion. You see, God's passion for life is not just for the life of the unborn, but it is for your life as well. He is passionate for you. His desire is that we would all have the full and abundant life that Jesus died so that we could have. Scripture tells us that there is forgiveness and there is healing for you. Ephesians 1 Seven and eight says this, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. His kindness and his grace is available to you. In Daniel chapter nine, verse nine, it says, but the Lord, our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. Even when we make bad choices, even when we rebel, the Lord, our God is merciful and he is forgiving Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. 
We don't have to live in darkness. He's purchased freedom for us and he's forgiven our sins. One of my favorite verses, Psalms 147 verse three says, the Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. No matter what choices you have made in the past, there is hope for you today. And that hope is Jesus. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to bind up your wounds so that you can be able to experience and live the life that he has for you. This morning, it is my absolute honor to get to interview one of our very own family members here at the Grace Place, Stephanie Ott. Stephanie, if you could go ahead and come on up. Um, You know, Stephanie and her husband have been attending the Grace Place uh, for a couple of years now, and they serve in our Next Step Center during the 9 a.m. service, and you can have a seat there, Stephanie. Um, I just want to say, Stephanie truly, truly is one of the kindest people I have ever met. So genuine, so kind. Um, She has a gift to just connect with people and to show them the love of Jesus. And I'm so excited to get to have you um, share with us today. So so Stephanie, I just want you to tell us a little bit about the organization that you work with and, and what you do there. Okay. Let me turn this on for you. There you go. Hi, everybody. Um, Let me first of all say that was an incredible foundation to talk about abortion. Um, My name is Stephanie Ott, and I am the Director of Advancement at Metroplex Women's Clinic. We're a holistic, faith-based, gospel-centered outreach to those who are dealing with crisis pregnancy. So primarily, like the first people we reach out to are the women, but we also have services for their partners as well. And we're all about educating, equipping, and empowering. We know that there's so many who really don't understand even the very basics of biology. They don't understand that when the sperm and the egg meet, that unique DNA is created. They don't understand it's not their body or their partner's body, that it's a unique body that is being created and formed. So um, that education component, component is so important. And then meeting their practical needs, like we begin to elevate them up out of their crisis by different things. Like it's, it doesn't feel like a free clinic when you go there. So that first thing is they begin to feel valued and then they can begin to value the child that they're carrying. And so that's kind of what we do. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. And the Grace Place actually um, partners with the Metroplex uh, Women's Clinic. And so when you guys give to missions and, and those uh, things that helps us to be able to partner with ministries like that. And so um, I just want you to kind of share a little bit about your story um, and why and how you got involved in this type of ministry. Okay, so I've been kind of mulling it over, like, where to start. Um, And since we're talking about cultural issues, I'll just tell you that I am just basically, biology speaking, a product of the sexual revolution. My parents conceived me out of wedlock, got married, got divorced after they had me, and I was raised in a single-parent home, but it was always kind of sexually charged. There was a little bit of Christian influence, but I have um, sexual abuse in my past and other things that kind of led me toward 
not caring and not listening to the Lord when I was a teenager. And so that put me in um, unexpected pregnancy situations, and I chose abortion as the answer because I was so afraid. I was afraid for my future, afraid what my family would say, afraid I couldn't finish school, afraid there wouldn't be any money. Like, fear told me what to do. And, you know, the enemy is the driver behind fear. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But the Lord is so good how he can use all things to work together for his glory. And he used a last abortion to, to bring me to my knees and show me I was on a road of death. Yeah. And I was going to die if I didn't get off that path. And he so just so sweetly met me in that place. Just like he met the, you know, the woman at the well and the woman that was caught in adultery. He meets us where we are in those really hard places and offers us that hand of hope and life. And so I came to him humble and knowing that he forgave everything. But abortion was the thing that always haunted me, so to speak. I'm not sure that's the right word. But that was the thing that the enemy used to... to create a stronghold of shame on me. And so um, we got married and we had children and um, that thing was still at the back of my mind. I'm growing in Christ, but that thing is still there. And it wasn't until I think we had been married about 10 years that the Lord brought me to a place to walk through a healing process with with that and broke all of that shame off and I could really just understand his freedom. I was somebody that I had held on to the chains of the enemy, but the jail cell was open. The chains had been broken, but I was holding them around me because I felt so ashamed. But Jesus, you know, shined that light into that cell and, um, and led me out of it. And then I heard about the clinic, you know, at a meeting like this one day and the Lord was just stirring me. It took about 10 years, and I started getting involved later and as a volunteer and then just kept saying yes to the Lord. So now I get to go and talk about what we do to people. What a powerful testimony. What a powerful story to see what God can do when we release it to him. And he wants to lift that shame. He wants to lift the guilt. And he wants you to walk in freedom and, and even use uh, your story to, to minister to so many people um, today and, and every day in your job and in your workplace. That's incredible. Well, what would you say, I mean, you have a lot of experience, personal experience, and then you have so much experience with um, the ministry that you're a part of. So how would you say the body of Christ should respond to culture when it comes to abortion? And I know that's kind of a, a vague question. Um, it, it, could, it could go either way, but just kind of give us like, what are, what are some ways that we should respond to culture um, when we're in those situations? Okay. It can go lots of different ways, right? But the first thing I think is that prayer is so important. Praying that hearts would be softened, that hearts would be open to the truth despite their wants. You know, I think we've talked a little bit about this yesterday, um, that there's so much, there's so many lies out there in the culture that for us to be able to be relevant there, we have to first develop relationships and let people know that we value them, though we may have a different point of view. 
And so in that moment, when we're connecting with them, then doors start to open in their heart. We can start stepping through as the Lord allows. And you know that the Lord loves life, and you know the Lord wants people to come to him, so you can rest in those things as you gently ask questions, you gently share truth, and just trust in the power of the word of God and the power of the gospel that those have effect. Wow. That's incredible. So truth and grace, right? Like just speak the truth, have that love. You know, I think it's very important. Um, and, and she touched on it, but you know, you can't, you can't speak into someone's life that you don't have a relationship with. They're not going to receive that. So, so build time to, um, take time to, to build a relationship, build a rapport. And then you have, um, authority and you have actually a, a place to speak, right? And, and they may actually listen. And, and, you know, the thing is, is that as we listen to people and let them share their story and where they're coming from, um, that kind of in turn gives you more of a, um, a license to be able to speak into their life because they, they, they notice and they realize you listened to me. So maybe I will give you a chance and listen to you. Can I share a story real quick? Please do. Um, I don't know if any of you saw a movie called Unplanned. Did you see that a couple of years ago? It was a story about Abby Johnson. Um, Well, I'll just talk a little bit about it. So Abby Johnson lived in uh, College Station. And as a freshman at Texas A&M, she got involved with Planned Parenthood. She wanted to help women. She believed she was a Christian. She wanted to help women. She thought they were doing good. So she kind of volunteered there, rose in their ranks, and became an administrator there. All during that time, when she first started, there were sidewalk protesters outside of that Planned Parenthood, and they were aggressive. They were a little bit violent. They were intimidating. And then something changed in that movement down there, and they stopped, the Christians there stopped doing that, and they started praying, and they started just engaging and offering donuts to the workers there and just saying, hey, is anything going on? Can we pray with you about anything? And so for a couple of years, that was going on, and Abby began to kind of know those people who were doing that prayer ministry. And then one day, Abby went to work, and they asked her to step in and assist for an abortion procedure that was going to happen. And that was the first time she saw it for what it really was. And she left work that day. She never went back. She went to those that she'd met on the sidewalk who'd been praying that she developed a relationship and they walked her out of that industry. Yeah. So yeah. it was powerful. So that is very powerful. And just the, the change of, of just having prayer and having kindness and having grace, but also speaking truth. Um, can make an impact. Well, um, can you just let us know, like, how can the church, how can people here today um, get involved with the Metroplex Women's Clinic? If, if, if God is stirring their heart um, or, or giving them a, a, a vision or a passion for this, what can they do um, to get involved with you? I love that question. <laughs> so first and foremost, we need prayer. Um, it is a spiritual battle every single day. We have three clinics, and we have multiple volunteers and nurses, and we all are under attack every day. But, I mean, I think that's pretty common, but in this 
area, we really feel the intensity of that. So please pray for the safety of our clinic and for our volunteers and over our families. You know, um, everyone has family issues, and sometimes it seems magnified when you know that you're doing the work of the Lord. But um, we need volunteers to sit one-on-one with our clients and share the hope of Jesus with them and walk them out of their crisis into hope. Um, We need males and female volunteers to do that. Uh, We need nurses to come and help. Um, If you like garage sales or you like to clean out your house, you can donate items to Arlington Resale. There's one just right up the street that you can donate to. yeah, so lots of different ways. Lots, lots of different of ways. ways. And, and if you're intimidated, um, I'm sure they train you, right? They prepare you. Um, and you could even start in, in small ways. I, I've, I've seen like where you could help with mail-outs or different things. There's, there's so many ways um, that you can kind of get your toe in the water um, as you learn and grow and develop. And then who knows um, what could happen from there, right? That's right. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming and sharing. Can you guys just give it up? Um, for Stephanie and the amazing work that she is doing at the Metroplex Women's Clinic. She's going to also have a table in the lobby for those who are interested in getting more information and how you can partner and get involved with this amazing ministry. Well, you know, this morning we've talked about uh, a, a serious and a pretty heavy topic, and that's because we don't want to shy away from hard things. We want to know what the Bible says about these issues. We we can't, our source is not culture, right? Our source is scripture. And at the Grace Place, we believe that the Bible is clear that we must contend for life, all life. We must contend for life. And, And we believe that abortion is wrong and that the life of the unborn is sacred. And we also believe that we must contend for the lives of those who have been deceived. You see, we can do this with grace and with compassion because every single one of us have been deceived about something at one time or another, right? Scripture tells us in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us have sinned. We have been deceived. It, it goes on in Romans six twenty three to tell us that the wages of that sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, God cares about life. He cares about the life of the unborn and he cares about your life. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting 